Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You are listening to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast. Let's get faster. Welcome to Missed Apex iRacing Podcast, where we look at iRacing from a hobbyist point of view. We don't necessarily cover the major series unless we're involved in them, but this is about your everyday iRacer trying to clamp a steering wheel to a desk, desperately trying to justify to their spouses that they can do just one more race. It doesn't matter how late I stay up playing. I'll I'll get up for the school runs. I promise I will. So please join us on this journey as I bring you some of my friends and experts to make us faster. Uh, The first of which is Brad Philpot. How's it going, Brad? It's going really well, Spanners. I'm looking forward to chatting to you and, uh, and, Speaking about a thing which we all enjoy. You know, I, I use you so much on this show. Like, I, whatever I'm specifically struggling with, somehow, oh, just coincidentally becomes the topic for the show. I've noticed that. I've noticed that. And I don't mind it at all. So what you've really been helping me with loads is, is braking. And I'll talk about in a minute a bit of a braking fail of mine. But uh, yeah, you got me braking hard into the really slow corners. Last week, we worked on the kind of the, the only taking off enough braking that you need and kind of easing into say some of the 90 degree corners and and i have to say brad it it really seemed to pay off at spa that was the least far off the pace i've ever been i think and i was able to transfer that to laguna seca in the f3 officials as well so so i think i think it's starting to pay off well i'm very happy that my decades of hard work are translating into a shortcut for you that, that's exactly what I was hoping for. And hopefully this can be a shortcut. Of course, we're not just going to lean on Brad as well. Uh, we've got Dory, who's going to be uh, coming back, hopefully back from his iRacing ban. Uh, we've got actually Stuffy lined up as well to come and join us next week too. And we've got mugs like Van Jean. Alex Van Jean, how are you? I'm all good. I've realised your, your intro completely resonates with me. That's yes. exactly how it is. I will be on the pod whether I'm racing or on my flight sim until 12 o'clock and then still have to get up to go take kids to nursery and or school and try and do that thing that earns me money during the week. So the, the, the absolute sweet spot is that she decides to go to bed early and then I convince her that I came in just after her, but like super quietly, which means I have to sneak out of the shed, lock that up quietly, really sneak into the house, must it, if she even stirs, 
she'll know that I stayed up way into her deep sleep. So there's that kind of, I'm sure there's people all around the country doing that as well. They go, they look at the watch and they go, I could sneak in that one fifteen a.m. official. It's when you consider thinking, should I just sleep on the sofa? Is oh, that yeah. easier? Is that, no. is that just more simple? I never have. That um, would be too suspicious. I will always, I will always, I will always make her stir when I get in. I, I, I think, can't be quiet. I think I would have more. I would have more chance hiding an affair from her than I would have hiding a late night eye racing session. She, she just knows somehow. She knows. Uh, obviously, the three of us, we're off the back of the Missed Apex inaugural F3 round. We did the first round of a six-round series at um, at Spa, Francochon, and it was absolute chaos. 57 of us, such a mix of abilities from like professional racing drivers like Brad, all the way through to like just really good sim racers like Alex, down to the, the corporate racer like me at Dad Pace, and... Just some like some guys who were just having a go and and behaving like rather randomly on track as well. So it was chaos. I, I believe the grid will probably settle down um, uh, in the in the following races. Um, however, a wonderful time and a great experience. So do message me spanners at mistapex.net if you want to get involved with that or the F3 official swarms we did. But we had some interesting races uh, among us. Uh, Brad, you were denied like a top battle with with Danny. Uh, you 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 guys went into Lacombe side by side, and a little bit of netcode wiped you out. And I've I've just got a feeling that putting sixty people on that server might have had an effect on netcode. Although I've heard a lot of, I mean, what what is netcode? Can we talk about it? Because it gets used as an excuse so much. Yeah, so netcode is just basically when, from your point of view, you didn't hit someone or they didn't hit you, but iRacing or the server thinks that you did, um, and it basically simulates contact. So you'll either have a wheel ripped off or you'll be bounced into the wall or something like that. And uh, and yeah, you're right. From my point of view, uh, I was having a fantastic Missed Apex inaugural F3 event. Um, <laughs> from qualifying a smidge ahead of Danny on pole, it was awesome. Um, I was pump, punch in the air um, in delight as I got that lap. And then a great start, and then like three corners into the evening, disaster struck, and it didn't go any better from from that point onwards. And uh, yeah, basically, we were both, from my point of view, giving each mm. other room, enough room, um, but we both were taken out by by iRacing itself. So the iRacing gods um, gave Alex Van Jean an opportunity to win the race instead. And and he used that, of course. I used it to my full of... So I had a front row seat for that. Um because I, I had my best ever qualifying for one of those, qualifying fifth, which I was over the moon with. Um, managed to get up into third, coming up to Lacombe. And you two just hit each other. Obviously, I didn't see the net code. I just see you two go yeah. flying off into the wall. And then Kyle Power come over the radio and go, it's happened immediately! <laughs> um, which was brilliant. Um, yeah. God rest Murray Walker. Um, and then I led for four-fifths of a lap until I bottled it at the um at the, at the bus, bus stop. stop locked up went wide Aww. hit somebody coming back onto the track <laughs> i'm blaming it all on luca not on my inability to take do pressure you, do you get I, what i get is as soon as i think i'm in for a good result like as soon as i've like survived most of lap one and i'm sitting there like in an i racing official and i'm like oh my god i'm eighth and i haven't crashed yet this is amazing don't throw it all away see the thing is it's different for me because I've led kart races from start to finish. I've come through to win kart races and had loads and loads of pressure piled on me and don't crack. But in a sim race where I'm obviously just not as comfortable, I just, I yeah, I, I Luca had me under massive pressure. I mean, 
he's a bit scary, bless him, Luca. Um, he does. He likes to have a dive, and he was having a nibble at pretty much every single corner because he had pace on me. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just braked a little bit too late going to the bus stop, locked up, went off, and then hit Brian coming back on. Sorry, if, Brian. if you're listening to this, going, what are these guys going on about? I I don't I don't didn't see that race. I I can't put any reference points to it. Uh, then go and look at the Mist Apex Motorsport po- uh, YouTube channel where we had live coverage with commentators and everything of the races. Uh, I, I think it's a really, really good broadcast. What Steve, Chris and Chris are doing is just incredible. And you will see the crash and a gratuitously slow, slow motion replay of Brad and Danny's crash and of Alex bottling it into the bus stop as well. So go go and check that out and you'll see what we were talking about. Uh, it leads me to a few more kind of general iRacing points. Firstly, I have to say, Brad, I've always, always appreciated the fact that as a pro driver and a pro-level sim driver, you're more than happy to come and throw yourself in with us noobs and idiots. Not more than happy, but you'll do it, uh, especially with the karting as well, where your physical body is on the line. And we've had other top-line drivers come and join us on Missed Apex and had Alex and Kyle punt them off at Rye House. So I always just think, like, you're being a great sport throwing yourself in the mix. And it's a, it's a, a different challenge against people like me than it is top-line sim drivers i actually find it a, a much harder challenge if i'm honest as as that event showed um i very much struggled to despite having a considerable pace advantage um on the majority of the field i really struggled to anticipate what people were going to do um uh, to anticipate maybe some people's lack of awareness of where other cars were around them and maybe reacting to different cars in different positions that um that they might not in a different series and yeah i, I really I was unable to escape the the pack and the damage that then ensued from that. And actually, in fact, my, in my evening in this event that we're talking about, I don't think I made it past the first lap on, in any of the races. Eee, that's not fun. The comparison I have is, is playing poker. So if you've got professionals playing against someone like me who just enjoys it, the professional is actually going to struggle because I'm not necessarily going to make the right moves at the right time. If you have a bunch of me playing poker, we can all have fun in that context. So it's a weird mix of, you know, racers who I'm used to racing idiot racers in my splits because I'm an idiot racer. Uh, When you have that mix of then the pro guys come in, it can be quite an interesting and challenging mix. And we've spoken about this with the karting as well when we do the Mist Apex karting. And and that's a kind of a different thing because it's the similar mix of abilities but because the carts don't have wheels rip off or front wings get bent or because yeah. they're not fragile in that same way, you can get away with someone misjudging something or you bumping into the back of someone. Nothing extreme happens. You're not out of the race at that point no. unless something really bad happens. But obviously with iRacing and particularly with one of the topics I think we're going to cover tonight, the damage model, um, it's quite difficult if things go even a little bit wrong. Yeah, and you talk about the karting. I think I can't, for lack of a better word, I think there's a little bit more respect because it's real. If you get yeah. punted off into a wall, it can hurt. Um, but also for the likes of me, Brad, Kyle, who I think we've got a bigger advantage at something like karting than we do on iRacing to a lot of the people, mainly because the people on iRacing get a lot more practice. Um, you know, we, we're we used to karting and they rock up to a kart track for the first time maybe in a year. And they'll be like, oh, okay, Brad, Alex, yeah. and Kyle are coming through, and they'll just they'll kind of wave us through a little bit. You won't get that on iRacing, and they'll fight to the literal death. So in, in iRacing, you can get all the way to the limit and past it with very little consequence. And as much as we say, 
sim racing does replicate that driving experience and that competition experience. That's only if you take it in that spirit. If you decide that you don't care about crashing, you can just not care. And there's actually no consequences. On a kart track against guys who are quicker than me in the sim, I will overtake them again on a kart track because they can't push all the way to the limit and then just not mind if you go beyond it. You have to respect the limit a lot more in a kart. I I kind of agree, but I also disagree a bit because you can have significant contact in in a rental cart and just completely get away with it. And that that's the side of things that is quite different. You say it's, there's no consequence or very little consequence in iRacing. I have to say, after that first race, the first um, of the three Formula 3 races, I took my VR headset off to a pool of blood because my <laughs> I'm still recovering from the injury. When the net code occurred and Danny and I effectively hit each other, my steering wheel bit my hand and uh, and I had a load of blood pouring down my down my oh, fist. No. I didn't realise. Like I said, I thought it was just sweat when I had the VR headset on. Direct drive privilege issues. Yeah, exactly. It's oh, exactly so, when, so when later in the race I noticed that you weren't in the top 20 and I went, oh, Brad, you're just not very good anymore. You were not only having a sense of humour loss because you were out of the race, but also because you were in a pool of blood. And then some idiot like me has gone, well, you're not good anymore, Brad. And I sensed I, you didn't find it funny. I had quite a big lump of skin taken off, actually. Oh, it's mate. still not recovered, even a week later. But so yeah. well, wasn't That's... there some change in the in the recent update that meant that the direct drive wheels were meant to be less violent in a collision? I, I heard that. I haven't experienced it. I still let oh. go if I know I'm going to hit something because uh, it's still pretty violent. I, I learned a lesson there. I think we've probably talked about this, but poor Brian, bless him. Brian B, boom, boom, in our series. He's got a direct drive wheel. And normally in our series, because it's being broadcast, we ask everyone to do a full in-lap and say, right, you're going to do an in-lap so that we don't look like idiots on the stream. In the practice session, I just tried to, I tried to just launch myself over the top of him. I didn't know anything about direct drive wheels. Bless him, he got very, very upset at me because I'd made his wheel go and bite him, like you said. Yeah, I've, I've actually requested people not crash into, into us in a practice session before for that same reason. If you're not expecting it and you're holding onto the wheel whilst you change, it, change something on a menu, it can really hurt you. So, yeah, yeah watch out. Yeah, everyone's going to hit you more. Yeah, that's the thing now. Yeah, and when you walk past Brad's mansion as well, try to shuffle past quietly as you bow it's, and scrape. It's more, it's more the thing of hitting people who are in VR because it's trying to get people in VR to flip over and get and get motion sick. That's that's the more fun part. And as soon as okay, so I had this I had this in a helicopter a, a long long time ago. The the pilot said, "Is anybody is this anybody's first time in a helicopter?" And I just naively went, "Yeah, me." And and there were the groans from my colleagues. I was like, why have you said that?" So the pilot said, "Ha ha!" And he spent the whole trip trying to make me throw up by like just dropping and free-falling and hopping over hedges. We do a similar thing when we find out someone's converted to VR. We'll have spent a long time going, you've got to go to VR. It's the ultimate iRacing experience. And then the second they do, we all spend the whole session deliberately hitting them and punting them as much as we can to make them sick. I was very pleased I took Kyle's um I took Kyle's VR flip virginity <laughs> and I took Colin and I took Colin's as well. Excellent. Um netcode. Let's get back to that. Netcode. It's a real thing. It happened in some sessions where we didn't have loads of people. So I can't blame it all on the fact that we overloaded the session. But okay, there was an incident between uh me, uh, Ishmael and Mark in um in one of our sessions where somebody on the end of the Kemmel straight didn't quite break enough 
and or someone broke too much in front. I'm not going to start an argument with that. Uh, but they ended up making contact and HTML got flipped around and wiped me out on completely opposite side of the track. When you look back at the replay, they didn't touch. There's a, there's a foot, a, a VR foot, if you like. You know, you could fit an old school 30 centimeter ruler in there. So, okay, but here's my here's my thinking. Here's my thinking on that topic is, do we just start having to account for netcode? Do you feel that racers should account for netcode? And is there some points in netcode where you go, actually, and I'm not talking about this particular case, where you go, actually, you would have hit anyway, but the, but when you look back at the net, you look back at the replay and it shows, oh, there was a bit of a gap, you can kind of use that as a... Oh, well, it was only because of netcode and we didn't hit. Again, not suggesting that's what happened with Mark and Ishmael. But Alex, all I think I'm saying is, A, it can be used as an excuse too easily. And B, shouldn't we just account for it because we're racing people on the other side of the world? The coming from behind bit, I kind of agree with you. Um, Because I do agree with you. and not kind of, I do agree with you. Because if you're that close under braking, you're putting yourself under massive risk for having a crash anyway. Um, And then the fact that you know netcode exists... Yeah, it's worth leaving. The problem is, is the side-by-side stuff. So, for example, the Brad and Danny incident, they weren't that close, but they're as close as, they're as they were as far away as you could really get going side-by-side through there. And what do you do? Just not race. Mm. So it's a really difficult one to get. It depends on, you know, if that was an official race and there was something going on, would you save it for another day? I don't know. I'm unfortunately for myself not really in that position very often. But the behind stuff I get, yeah. wheel to wheel, it's really difficult to then think about. Oh, actually, I then have to account for another X amount of feet because of uh, a potential netcode that may or may not happen. So I'm glad you did it that way round, like kind of splitting it up into two things. Because I just definitely did that at a Nurburgring round where I hit James Wingfield from behind, and I I looked at the the replay and I was like, ah. Ah, we didn't physically touch actually, but I knew, I knew I was running that too close. And I've learned a lesson from that because I ruined someone else's race. And I have to say, I never, ever get that close in the braking zone. Like we talked about on our, especially on lap ones, I tend to just lift, you know, let the car get away and then gradually go and catch up with him. But the side to side, you're right, it is a different thing. And you know, you said, oh, Alex, you said, oh, what are you supposed to do? Just not race? That's, That's kind of what I do a lot of the time because I've been stung so many times where I thought I was clear. And we'll tell you off about it for not being aggressive enough and not racing enough exactly. and why you don't make enough spaces up the field. Brad. What's frustrating is this is a, a sport where you are in close proximity. You've got multiple cars taking up quite a narrow piece of track it, it, quite often. And so part of the skill is judging getting as close as possible without actually hitting someone. And when you've got to build in another, um, you know, kind of pretend margin that you don't really know how big that is, I don't, I don't like that. It's not really... It takes a big chunk of realism away from me because there's a lot of situations sure. where no mistake was made by either party, but both parties or one of them are, are punished for it. And I think that's, I don't think it's really right. I don't know what where around it there is. And if I'm racing against someone I know who is in Australia, for example, yeah. I will leave even more margin. But when you're racing against someone who's you know, in the same country as you and and you trust them and you know, like with Danny, for example, I, I trusted having done other races with him as practice races. Yeah, yeah. I trusted that we would all do the right thing. We've done plenty of practices where we haven't touched at all, but we've had great side-by-side battles. And that's what it's about. That's that's what's fun. And when it's ruined by kind of a, a pretend contact that didn't actually happen, I, I find that extremely frustrating. And I mean, I don't want to be negative towards iRacing, but it is an iRacing issue. You know, I've raced on many different 
games um, across various different platforms, racing people from all around the world. And I never experienced it on any other platform. Ah, I'm going to defend, I'm going to defend iRacing, I think here. Um, But it's not just because I want them to like us and support us, although that would be nice. Uh, The alternative that other games do to solve this problem, because this problem exists for all real-time games, is that you allow an overlap. So you just now allow them to, cars to sometimes occupy the same physical space. So that would be better for racing, but iRacing is so good for broadcasting sim racing that that would look even worse, I think, than a bit of netcode. So my counter to that is quite often iRacing also lets you overlap. I've been inside other cars frequently. I was inside a TCR car whilst I was lapping it at the Nürburgring not too long ago. So, so okay. that already happens. So that that is it doesn't happen that often, but it does sometimes if there are you know dodgy connections and that kind of thing. Uh, and I have a I would feel less aggrieved if there was an overlap and iRacing decided mm, you've overlapped a bit too much there and I got damage, I'd feel a lot less aggrieved because looking back at the replay, you could say fair enough, I was actually touching the person. Even if in some instances, you know, in some, you still wouldn't be risking it. You still wouldn't want to get that close because if you do overlap a bit too much, you're going to get the damage. So, but you'd be able to know at least if I'm, if I'm touching them or almost touching them, if there's one millimeter, I'm not going to get damage and you wouldn't in real life either. Mm, That, that's interesting. So you would, you would, you would uh, champion a forgiveness matrix where a little bit of overlap, and and I suppose it, it wouldn't be a hard thing to defend. It wouldn't be a hard policy to defend because they go, yes, we know that on the broadcast you'll sometimes from some angles see a slight overlap, but it's better than unnecessarily punishing people who are racing all across the world. Yeah, so think about it this way. In real life, sometimes there is contact, you know, actual contact, sometimes firm contact where there are zero consequences in iRacing sometimes there is no contact whatsoever with massive consequences so it's the wrong way around okay fair enough and we can talk about those consequences next i would love to hear your opinions about this netcode um uh, discussion because right now it is what it is and my solution is to is to just never be close enough for it to be an issue Whereas your solution, and I, I hope I'm not I'm painting this unfairly, is to doggedly continue in the manner that you feel you should be able to race. And that, you know, is, is one of 1,000 reasons why you're a better racer than me. But for, for, for gentlemen racers like me, I think, I think you've just got to leave a couple of yards or, you know, not make that, that last dash dive because you know it might happen. Don't get me wrong. I also try and leave a margin, but I'm not going to go out of my way to leave a massive margin just to take into account an issue with with iRacing itself. I had a race a couple of nights ago um, in the the iRacing Grand Prix series, which we'll come on to later, where I had side-by-side contact with someone. Um, They didn't see me. They they moved across. We had gentle contact, and it was super realistic. It was exactly Mm. how I'd expect. We kind of gently bumped off of each other. There was a zero X. Nobody had any damage. We continued. And because that can happen sometimes, and that's how it should be, really, um, I, I will continue driving like that. So I don't do tin tops. Is this more of an issue in the single seaters, do we think? Certainly more of an issue with exposed wheels um, where things can get ripped off, although you do get bodywork damage in anything. You know, you have a light yeah. tap in a touring car and a GT car, and you, I mean, you can you can just go over a jump awkwardly and you'll get loads of damage on a GT3 car. So In real life? Um, no, I mean, oh, in, I mean in iRacing. Oh, you, right. have to, you have to... 
uh, really plan how you take some of the the big kind of leaps at the Nordschleife so you don't land awkwardly and damage your floor. So then you've got aero damage on the stroke. Okay, well, let's talk let's talk damage because there was a, a new damage model that came out over week 13. And when, when the F3s came back to life, I think a lot of people were quite shocked by the new damage model. We saw a little bit of it in... We saw a little bit of it in our map series, which was F3. We saw a lot of it in our F3 series. And so I'm going to apologize to Garen, who is a, an Australian participant of the Missed Apex series. I've, been, I've invited him to make an official complaint to our race control process, but he hasn't yet. Um, and here's the mistake I made, Brad. And I ended up tapping him in the rear. And because of the new damage model, his rear just exploded and he was out of the race, which I feel would have normally been uh, just a, a spin. So I waited for him. And I realized he had already gone for the toe. But the thing I need to apologize for is I, I was on the comms. I was on the Discord chat, which I'm not normally. And he was saying to me, he goes, you're breaking erratically. So I don't know why. I'd got into a weird mindset where I just wasn't breaking hard enough. So I was then having to panic towards the end of the corners. Just, just a mental block. I'd found myself in a good position. I was in fifth, I think. So there was nosebleeds. There was blood coming everywhere. And... I I was, I was just choking. I wasn't breaking hard enough and I was making it difficult for Garen behind me and then the cars behind him were catching us. So I'm like, right, let's. I, he's a good lad. He's a good lad. I know he's quick. I'm being baggage. And I said to him on the chat, I said, right, you go past me. Let's get. Let's go get those guys up front. Yeah, let's do it. So we go around Blanchimon. I let him past at the bus stop and I think, right, great. Now I'm going to tuck in beside him and hold on for dear life. And then you can see exactly what happened on my braking trace, which is I tucked in behind him, lost loads of downforce in his aero wake, then panicked because I was closing the gap, and then increased the brake, went past the point of locking, locked up a little bit, and that ended up in me just tapping him um, and spinning him around and getting him out of the race. But I was like, damn it, that is the kind of rookie error that I, I hope, I hope that's the kind of error, Alex, where you go, right, I, I made that mistake once, I'm never going to make that mistake again, but it was horrible. And it's very unlike you. Oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't overtaking. If if I was overtaking, I'd feel worse. If I was like, yeah, I've made a move, but it was too... I wasn't. I was literally going, have have the place. Go for it. Go. For a a fellow bottler like like myself... it's so easy to do. You're in a you're in a tight battle. You're in a position that you really really want to be in. You know, you're, you're, as you said, you're getting a nosebleed. You're well out of position, and all you're thinking about is finishing the race. Yeah, I just and unfortunately, wanted, yeah. you get to that point where you're thinking about finishing the race and the other things you're going to do after the race when you're really happy because you've got your, in my position, first place, which I which I believed I was going to get. I, I believed I was going to last nine you laps ahead of, ahead, oh of ahead of Luca. Yeah, <laughs> I believed that. You fool. Um, and then you just think about something else something just distracts you or you're out of your rhythm and you just make mistakes you don't normally make which is the most aggravating type of mistake you know when you spin at a corner you've never spun at and you're like why did i do that yeah yeah with with me i was working so hard on the braking and getting the right brake pressure and getting to the bite point and then suddenly i just wasn't doing i thought i had damage for ages and then i got into and then i started braking properly about lap five and i went no I've not had damage this whole time. I've just convinced myself that, and it wasn't. I was just like, just wasn't doing it properly. Uh, but yeah, that the rookie error of going just in behind Brad, I I think, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that's where experience pays. And I needed the experience just after it happened. <laughs> you know, I needed it just before it happened. I beg your pardon. But oh, horrible mistake. But I think I understand the reasoning behind it now. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if there's a question in there somewhere, but but yeah, don't do that is my advice. <laughs> That's it. Just don't do that. We, we've got to at least account for it. And what's annoying is we were talking about it on lap one. So if you're on lap one, you, there's cars in front of you, so you have to account and leave more space. What I've never done before is deliberately put myself in an aero wash and rob myself of braking, um, braking ability. But I tapped him, his rear end exploded. So that got me thinking. Obviously, this damage model seems broken. Hopefully, by the time people are listening to this, it's all been fixed. But what are we trying to achieve with the damage model, Brad? Like, do you want ultimate realism? Are we incentivizing good behavior over bad behavior? What's your take on how iRacing does and should approach a damage model? I think it's quite simple. I think it's both of the things you've just said. So you're you want ultimate realism. You want it to to break in a way which it would break if the same thing happened in real life and you want it to look right and you want it to, to do a similar level of, of damage. Um, and it's also a really good incentive for people to not crash into each other because you do damage to yourself uh, and you do damage to the other cars. So, um, so first things first, the damage model, the new damage model looks incredible, Alex. Like when those cars fly apart, you go, oh my goodness, the, the horror of it, the realism, like it looks spectacular. Oh, yeah. I mean, during practice, throwing it into a wall at, at La Source is hilarious, just watching all the bits fly everywhere. But you talk about the bits flying everywhere, because I think now the bits can cause you damage. So in the sec- in the third race, I was going down towards Rouge. two cars crashed next to me. They were miles away from me. A bit of, I think it was a bit of nose cone or a bit of the side of the car oh, no. hit my car and exploded my wheel. And I was out. It, it, I was right. like, I didn't even know that happened. Um, so. But I could do without stuff like that. Yes, it looks good. And yes, that is ultimate realism if a part does come on the track. But it is still, I don't want to say game, but to, to, to have to go out of a race, especially if it was an official race where there's I rating at risk and safety rating at risk, which is really, really important to a lot of people, especially safety yeah. rating to some, I rating to more, um, where you do that and you're out. And that's a whole load of I-rating gone. I mean, for somebody like Brad, that's why Brad doesn't do the F3 officials, because he's generally very, very high-seeded. If he crashes out, yeah. he loses 150, 200 I-rating, which he can't afford to lose because of the event, of the big events that he does. It doesn't matter so much for someone like me, but I think they've gone over a line and they need to pull it back a little bit. So, so for, hang on. For, I know it's important to you, Brad, for I-rating. For me, it's just my time and like my evening mm. and the one time I get to do a fun thing that day. And so we did, uh, I did Laguna Seca. I did the 9.15 on Tuesday and someone cut across me into turn two. So I had to break a little bit. Someone came up behind me and, and, and tapped the rear and it was a two minute toe. Okay, that's fine. And then five minutes in the pit. And like, I couldn't pull away. I couldn't drive. I couldn't do anything because of this small tap. Well, it was bad enough last season when, again, Laguna was like the first race of the season last season. We all went into... Um, turn one, Chris Stevens got net coded into the air and then everyone else just crashed behind. And there was like half the grid gone in one corner. And that's not what you want from the racing. So I think part of the issue here is is actually that when you say it's gone too far, I don't think it that means it's it's got too realistic. I think there are elements here where it's now unrealistically yeah. bad. So as an example, Spanners, I assume this was just a problem with the damage model. Your car just exploded in the pits whilst you were stationary. Oh, and, that was in the Mist Apex series. No, um, so that there was no contact. That is just a pure glitch. And look, it happens. It's a it's a really sophisticated system. Uh, if you look on Mist Apex's TikTok 
uh, or on the media of Missed Apex F1, you will see, oh no, at Spanners Ready, I'll put it on. You will see me in the pits waiting for a repair and the car just explodes in the air and flips around. And I've no idea what caused that at all. I remember you were on the voice chat and yeah. you were saying, someone just hit me in the pits. Who just drove into me? I thought, and actually, yeah. when you look at the replay, it was just a gust of wind or something. Yeah, I was on my explode. own. I was like, who's driven through me? I didn't know you could get hit in the pits, but it turns out, no, not at all. So I'm putting that down to fine. That's that's just random computer code, Alex. I, I, I'll i like accept that. Like when Matt that, Trumpets yeah. was flying through the air. Yeah, and he was really high above in like the blimp view, but his car was there. <laughs> that, that sort of thing. It just happens. Yeah, so I'm not really talking about that. those kind of instances. No. I'm talking about where you tap someone... And as maybe with your example, when you were when you were racing and yeah. you touch, touch someone from behind, it like absolutely explodes the rear of their car, and it's undrivable. Yeah, like yeah. massive damage ensues. Where even in a single seater in real life, you know, single seaters are quite fragile. But you can bump a Formula Three car off another Formula Three car within reason. And okay, if you if your nose impacts a diffuser, you'll get a crunch. You know, you'll get the crumple of the carbon fiber on the nose and maybe the diffuser will get crunched, but, or or maybe even the rear wing might get broken, but unless it's a major contact, like a a really big hit, you're not going to have stuff ripped off quite that easily. It's, it's too, it's too fragile. Now the cars are made of porcelain. It was was like, it's like um, the Daniel Ricciardo on Max Verstappen at Baku that had less damage. And that was a 300, 200, 200 miles an hour. And that has less damage. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just gone too far with the fragility of them that they're just beyond. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think it's reasonable to have an aero penalty for some kind of contact like that. So, yes, someone hits me from behind. Ah, it's going to make my rear wing wobble and I've got to be a bit careful on the high speed corners. 
to make it like it was on, on that race and for Garen when I hit him, where you just can't, you literally can't drive forward. It like says, no, this car is mechanically balked. You can't, you can't move. You can't limp back to the pits. You're, you're absolutely toast. Yeah, that, that's probably where it's gone sort of too far over the line. And I, I, I wonder if that was like a deliberate attempt to do that. I doubt it. I, I reckon they tried to make it more realistic. And then when it hit contact with reality, it turned out that it was just doing a bit too much. Yeah, so so I'm all for things being ripped off and flying yeah, in the yeah, car yeah. not being drivable if the crash was big enough to warrant that. It's just when it's a small touch and wheels go flying um, and, you know, wings are wings are in the air, that's probably a little bit too far. But hopefully you said there's, there's an update and maybe they're, they're repairing that. So yeah. that would be cool. And I'm happy that yeah. there is aero penalty for certain things and, and, and the, the damage exists. I'd much rather that we had this. I yeah. think maybe you just need to tone it down a bit in the F3 cars. Especially because they twin that with the front wing. When you hit the front wing, the front wing just bends. Yeah. So you've got hyper-realism with regards to the extremities of the car. But the thing that you actually would hit and would snap a bit off and be able to continue racing with mm. just bends up in the air really unrealistically. So it's not very well balanced. I, I think this re- they've got it really right with the front wings in the F3, for example. Like if I tap someone and I can have a fairly hefty hit and the, the front wing will just lift a little. And you can st- in VR, you can s- sit up a little bit and you can see that it's bent. And you go, okay, that's going to cost me about one to two seconds. It's a, it's a real incentive not to do that. But I can carry on and and hold on to my place. The damage performance it gives, yes, I agree, it's it, it's correct. Um, but the way it looks is poor because a front wing doesn't bend up like that. Oh, it's carbon fiber. Right. Okay. Well, I, well, did, I didn't know that. It, it well, just it can depending on what the front wing is. Sometimes they've got like a metal tube inside them, and then you get like bits of carbon yeah. fiber rip off the edge. But the shape would bend a bit like that. But but yeah, Formula Formula One's a bit different. Obviously, it's all oh carbon man, fiber. I would but, love to have someone from my racing come and explain like just the thinking behind the damage models come on like, everyone go and tag iRacing and tell them to come and talk to us we need punctures that's the next thing punctures so, right i would really like punctures and flat spots that's the kind of the next step from my point of view now then yes i i don't get punished for a big lockup do you think i should get punished for a big lockup then Yes, I think you you do actually, depending on the series. So when we speak about the the Formula One, maybe later, um, you you'll hear that you do get punished, but not necessarily in quite such a realistic way. You you suffer a big wear on that particular tire, um, and I guess when you lock up for real, you suffer a big wear on one particular patch of the tire, and it tries to simulate that. And I think iRacing has this thing where when you get down to zero percent tire life, it effectively simulates a puncture in terms okay. of the grip level. But you don't see a puncture and you don't get any, you don't actually get the tire burst and going flat or anything like that. I mean, I'm not sure that I would want a flat spot like to be translated to my VR as just like shake until I pass out. Yeah, but it should though, shouldn't it? Like, (laughs) we've got great force feedback wheels, um, most people driving on our racing. So you you should just want it to like rattle our, our wrists to death. Yeah, I mean, that, that is that. realistic. Anything, <laughs> okay, yeah. anything with slicks, a mm. lockup is a pretty severe thing. Okay, okay, but it does punish you, like, if you are being overly sliding, if you are being wild, like, you do overheat the tyres and you do get a lack of grip. So we've got that level of realism. And I think it does that. I think iRacing models that quite realistically. I've really? driven lots Good. of race cars, with, obviously, with various types of tyres, but... Um, if you push too hard and you start spinning the wheels very quickly, you get into this spiral of, uh, you know, temperature going through the roof and the grip level going down in sync. And I think racing actually gets that very right. 
I'm, it's like in the IGP series, I'm really conscious of that. So we've just been doing um, Spain. And when you come out of the hairpin, if you light the tires up coming out of the hairpin, you've got to literally slow down through the next couple of corners because if you try and just get on the power, you will spin. Um, and I so, yeah, I agree with Brad. I think it's modeled really, really well. Um, but to then add the extra bits in blisters and punctures and that kind of stuff would just add another element. Slight aside, does that does that also apply to karting? If I'm a bit wild in karting, do I do I start losing grip now? Because they're, they're not they're not. Well, I mean, it, it depends. But in the karting that you would tend rental, to be yeah. in rental carts, the tires are generally so hard that they're never up to temperature right, in the first okay. place. So you'll okay. struggle to overheat a rental cart tire. Okay, good to know. Sorry, I may or may not be planning a, a rental cart tournament so that's just kind of going through my head right now uh, when you're saying we should talk about f1 uh, we should get to it now because we're we're running out of time um and next week i want to talk about lap one heroes win or bin because there's a lot of people out there who would rather win one race out of five than finish second third fourth fifth and sixth and i'm trying to navigate around that and and i'll, I'll just summarize it by saying if i'm racing nine other people and I have a risk reward that makes me want to finish second, third, fourth, and fifth. And all nine other people just want to win or bin, and that's all they're interested in. Then every single race, a third of them, you know, they're going to beat me. Two or three of them are always going to be ahead. It'll be a different two or three. And then in the next race, those who finished ahead of me will bin it. But I'm, I'm perpetually stuck in that kind of second tier of people who are just trying to pick up points. So that'll be my topic for for next week's discussion. But I do need to talk about the F1 because, and I hope you won't see this as an attack, Brad, but when Alex was talking about doing the F1 in uh, in iRacing, you said, no, it sucks. You're an idiot. It's too fast. It can't possibly replicate stuff. It's too complicated. I'm not I'm not here to be an engineer or worry about that DRS. Van Jean, you're the worst. I hate you. You're terrible. I'm never podcasting with you again. <laughs> However, uh, you have now tried Formula One on the F1 car on iRacing. I'll let you have it. Yeah, so that was, that was quite an accurate description of what happened. Yeah, just over a week ago, I was on here saying, I think the F1 cars are just too fast to actually enjoy the racing. Um, but I'm here to formally apologise to Alex, which is not something that happens very often because I tried them. <laughs> and and with, with his help, with his kind help, you know, explaining to me, like even little things like when you're allowed to use the DRS, which I should know, but I've never, I've just never done it myself. Hey, Sonoda uh, doesn't know. Why should you know? Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and the engine modes, when to use those, and just generally like how the format of the racing works, because it is a bit more complicated than an ordinary iRacing race. Like you have to start the race on the compound of tyres you qualify on, and there's different compounds to change and all that kind of thing. Anyway, I tried it and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I'm totally hooked on the iRacing Grand Prix series. I've now done two races. One thing I found is there's there's not as many well-populated races. There tends to be one or two in the evening and the rest of the day is, is empty. So yeah. you can kind of use that to practice. But the races that are there, everybody has to be an A-licensed driver. So it's it seems to be super clean, certainly what I've seen so far. And the cars are just really good to drive. Like I stand by my point that the gap between what the iRacing drivers are capable of doing or, or what as a normal person you're able to jump in like alex for example jumping in the car and and being like near the pace or on the pace i think we would be a lot further off in a real formula one car than you would be <laughs> well, in yeah, yeah. x5 you'd be minutes uh, off <laughs> but i think it's great to drive and i actually really enjoy all the different elements of the race even down to the energy management i've actually enjoyed it and i never thought i would 
So uh, I've been friends with you guys for about four or five years. Uh, Alex, you've been friends with Brad for, for longer, for 10 years. I've never heard Brad admit he was wrong. Uh, so how, how does that feel, Alex? How does that feel? Can I just pause? Yeah, let's just, just take, a moment, take a moment. Because this doesn't happen. In the 10 years that I've known Brad, this doesn't happen. And he certainly never admits it. Publicly, um, my goodness. So yeah, but again, Brad's done a perfect description of it, as as he would do. Um it is just a fabulous series. And I think that's also nice with it. It's a really nice community as well. There's a, there's a really good Discord, um, of which I now can't remember the name of it, um, which I will pick up before oh, the end you of the mean, show. Oh, you mean a Discord channel? I thought there's you a, were there's just... A, there's, a, there's, there's a open wheel Discord channel. Oh, right. I thought you were just saying, oh, there's a really nice I think Discord. It's called, I think it's called yeah. iRacing Open Wheel. I thought you were yeah, saying, like, it's... using Discord in terms of, like, a, an atmosphere of how people communicate with each other. No, you literally mean the app No, no, there, Discord, there is a Discord right, channel okay, okay, okay. for open wheel racing and iRacing, and there is an F1 channel, and they're really helpful, and they give data, and they give stats, and people help with setups, and there's some really, really good guys in there. Um, and Brad's first experience of it was against the last year's world champ, and um, right. Brad kind of realised that he's got to get a little <laughs> bit more practice, even though he was instantly quicker than me. Um, and I had a terrible race because I got hit by somebody in a centre livery which i called a couple of hours before the race and i called at the start of the race because that guy's in a center livery he's going to cause a crash and he wiped five of us out the first corner remember um, which is if, kind of if, standard people in center liveries if you no longer been someone in a center livery you are you really someone who can genuinely misquote what senna said as an excuse for terrible driving <laughs> uh, two things Brad, you touched on two things. Uh, the, I think one of the really interesting thing, what, things was you have to be an A license. I'm I'm not an A license. So we'll talk about that in a second. But what about like the mechanics and, and the racing of it? Did you find driving experience? You've driven and tested F3 cars. So how how did that compare? You're in VR. You're driving a virtual. Wh- what year is that F1 car from? It's, it's not mega old, is it? I think it's 2015. Okay, so pre-Halo. first... But yeah, still hybrids. First, yeah. It McLaren is the, the it's the McLaren MP430, which is the 2015 um, McLaren Honda, which is the first Honda powered car. So the one that Alonso and <laughs> Okay. And I think they've they've kind of souped it up to an unrealistic level. So it it seems like modern Formula One, as in like this year level of performance, but in in a car that's five or six years old. But the thing, the way I describe it is it's it is a real assault on your senses because the, the the corners come at you so far. So when you're used to doing these Grand Prix circuits in a Formula Renault or a Formula 3 Formula car, three, yeah. the straights, yeah, the straights Go take forever. quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and you don't really have to think much about throttle management once you're out of the low-speed corners. This car has so much power, so much torque, that you'll be spinning the wheels up to third, fourth, fifth gear if you try. Oh. Um, so you have to really be very conscious of your throttle application. But obviously in the high-speed corners, you've got bucket loads of grip. Yeah. But you've also got this immense tire wear. They've, they've tried to give you the different compounds like you'd have in real Formula One, where the softs um, will drop off much, much quicker. And when they hit this kind of cliff edge, you suddenly have no grip whatsoever, which is something I, I've learned and, and experience now mm. and you've really got to weigh up should i go for a, a harder compound that lasts longer or can i do i want to do more pit stops it's, it's kind of this this element of formula one that i have enjoyed obviously as a spectator and on the missed apex podcast as a panelist for, yes. for years. but i never really do formula one i never play the games i'm never involved in driving a sim of formula one so okay it's been it, it, sorry quick one uh brad uh, do you in real life or in sims have, is this the first experience of competitively driving something where you have different tire compounds 
and that you have to manage through a race. You know what? Right. I think it is. I don't yeah. remember. I mean, may, maybe in the Simply Race was a place I used to work as a, an in-person simulator centre in Milton Keynes. Um, and, and I think maybe there were just some different compounds in R-Factor 2 and some GT races we did okay. a long time ago. And it wasn't really as stark as, as it is in this. I mean, you can visit, you can actually see the, the different colours of the compound. You, know, you see the yellow walls or the red walls or whatever. It's very obvious that yeah. you've changed a different compound of tyre. And you can feel it. And especially, I'm very lucky with my direct drive wheel. You really do feel when you start to come up to the edge of, of the uh, the cliff or when the tyres are starting to go away, you get the, the light sensation through the steering. Ah, so that, that harks back to a lot of the other kind of understeer stuff we've been talking about. Uh, so it looks like I've got another $17 to find, Van Jean. No one on planet Earth has cost me more money than you two. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Isn't it 14 for cars? Or I, I don't know. Cars? I was dollars I or pounds. I can't Tracks remember. are more than cars. That's all I remember. Anyway, um, but what it actually does, me and Brad had this conversation earlier today, was it actually does give you a bigger appreciation for what the F1 drivers have to do because we're sat in a, um, for me, I'm sat in a fold-out chair with a little steering wheel in front of me trying to drive this car really fast around a track, <laughs> trying to keep an eye on my energy deployment, which in this car is slightly simplified. Oh, you have you've to got, do that? You, oh my you've God. got three modes, and to be fair, you can leave it in one mode for the whole race and not worry about it if you really if you really want to. If you want to really energy save and make a benefit out of it, you can do, but you don't have to. Um, then you have to think about your tyre management. And then if you have an incident, so if you spin, your tyres are ruined. And you probably have to make a pit stop much sooner rather than later. So you then have to think on the fly about your strategy and what tyres you then want to go to. And then we don't have to worry about G-Force or all the other million settings the F1 drivers in real life actually have to worry about. So it actually gives you a real appreciation for what the F1 drivers have to do above and beyond of driving the car. (laughs) So just to put what Alex was saying into context there, I I just did a practice today, um, this evening, and I saw that the guy who beat me in a race yesterday ran soft tyres for the whole race. I didn't think I could do that. When I practised, I would run out of soft tyres earlier and I'd have had to make an extra pit stop. So I just had to practise driving below my limit instead of just pushing hard all the time. So you were doing tyre saving? Yeah, to try and eke out a little bit longer in the middle stint so I could then push in the final stint and confident I wouldn't run out of tyres. Um, and that's that's not a thing I've ever had to do really on iRacing before. If, if you wear your tyres out, they kind of wear them out because you never really yeah. have to make tyre change pit stops. Van and Gina, just to, I, I'm, just, I'm not thrilled is, is by the concept of having to tyre save is all, Brad. And then we'll go to Alex. You wouldn't have to. At your pace, oh, okay. you wouldn't have to. Oh, you, you, you're <laughs> soft all the time, Spanners. Well, I, but I have a family, you know, that <laughs> might listen to this. Alex spoke about the, the appreciation for what a real F1 driver would go through. I was sweating buckets. My seat over here was absolutely soaked through. When I put my VR headset back on this evening, having had it here drying for a day, it was still soaking wet from a race yesterday. We're only doing a one-hour race, not a two-hour race like Formula 1 drivers, and we have no G-force exerted on our bodies here. I've tested Formula 3 cars, obviously, and I know how physical a 20-minute stint in an (laughs) F3 car is. I cannot envisage just how physical and brutal on your body driving an F1 car for any length of time is, let alone two hours. So it it did give me a little bit of an insight into that. Yeah, if you think that's hard, try being murdered on your own podcast like I was just now. Van Jean. Oh, right. Sorry. I thought thought you had some points about the the tyre wear, but... Do you think it's too complicated for for me to really be thinking about those tactics? Like, is this something that 
it's like it's really top level and it's a license for for a reason to keep guys like me out who aren't going to put the commitment and dedication into the series anyone uh, who listened to the last podcast will have heard me say i'm not interested in in uh tire management and energy yes. and stuff but just to give you a bit of an insight as alex said you can leave it at the middle setting and that's what i've been doing recently and it won't run out. It'll just be fine. I think they actually changed that recently or maybe for this season. I think that's a, I think they've made it so you don't have to worry about that. And if you want to save some energy so you can then maybe push to overtake someone with a higher usage later, you can, but you're not going to run out of deployment right. if you just leave it in the middle setting. So that's fine. And in terms yeah. of tire management, you just have to try not to spin. That's the key thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't lock up and don't spin, then you can just do a normal kind of race with a strategy. And, and I it's, guess I guess I'm, you... I'm not fast enough for, for deployment of ERS or anything either, so that's fine. That's fine. I'm fine. It's, it, it's that whole thing of you hear F1 drivers they moan about having to tire save, and everyone's like, oh, they're driving around at half cock. I got to be honest, when you're trying to eke out tires, it's not low pressure or low stress because you're all of a sudden going slower. You're having to actually be more accurate, more finite. You can't throw it around like you would do if you're going on a hot lap. Like in F3, you don't really care. You throw it at every single corner you'll take. And you just have to be more delicate. And it's actually much more of a challenge mentally um, than than it is thrashing it around. So I don't, and I never feel bored because I'm having to go slower because you never feel like you're going slower. And finally on the F1s, is fuel saving a thing? Because I've spent a lot of my life properly poor. So like I've I've been at the point where like if there's a nice downhill stretch, I'm in neutral just to try and eke it out, sit sit about, you know, 50 metres behind a truck at 56 miles an hour, hoping that I can benefit some, from some wind resistance. Will those skills transfer to F1, Brad? So I, I actually ran out of fuel on <laughs> the final lap of my first practice run. So I just sat there and did a, a whole race run all the way through just to, just to see. And I found that with the PDS setup, there wasn't enough fuel for me to get to the end. So rather than them fuel save, I just put more fuel in. Right. Is that ultimately going to be fine, though? Ultimately, will that penalise you? I mean, you can look at it two ways. Maybe if the, if the car is lighter, then then the car is obviously potentially quicker through the race. But at the same time, if I'm having to deliberately go slower to save the fuel, then it, for me, I think adding two kilos of fuel is probably the best way. So I don't think you'd have a problem with the fuel saving. And I also think to fuel save, you'd have to do something like lift and coast. And I think mm. lift and coast is a whole nother skill and a whole other driving style that you'd have to properly, properly learn. Because I know I've I've tried it, because in the F1 games, they kind of try to get you to simulate it in tests in their career mode, and it's horrible. I hate it. So, um, yeah, just a couple, a couple of extra kilos and you're fine. So Can't I'd, do too many, or the suspension runs too low and you fail right. tech. I don't want to go full fill pot here and say that you, you're both stupid and that sounds way too stressful. Because right now... I looking at tire saving, fuel management, ERS, DRS, way beyond. Like for me, when you're talking about oh the corners come at you so fast, I'm totally like that in the F3 and the Formula Renault 2.0. Like my adrenaline is so high, and I'm not alone. That after the missed apex round one series, two o'clock in the morning, we finished at half ten. Two o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep, and I was still up in our Discord chat, like going, "Can anyone else not sleep?" And it's like. Everyone, everyone is just buzzing. So I don't need like an additional buzz or um, or adrenaline rush. But I think I am overdue in F1 experiences having the F1 car at least for like a friendly test session. My advice would be buy it, 
and drive it at Silverstone. It is, and bear in mind, that was the first place I drove it. Yeah. It is an absolute joy at that circuit. And Suzuka. Suzuka is yeah. superb. No, I and think with you Hockenheim, were, yeah. And with Hockenheim coming, I've been hearing lots of really positive things about Hockenheim. Yeah, basically, Spanner's the car is just fun to drive. Okay, it's got loads of grip once you're out of a corner and you'll be like, you'll be driving it thinking, wow, this is just great. Even if you're not, you know, yeah. on the pace straight away, just the experience in VR of driving that car is just really fun. Okay, brilliant. Well, it's time to do the important admin of the show. Firstly, no one tell my wife about this conversation in which I am going to spend more money on a pretend race car. Uh, but do follow the show at iRacing Podcast, uh, our F1 show at Missed Apex F1, me at Spanners Ready. I'm the best one. But if you like these two as well, you can follow at Bradley Philpot on Twitter and at Alex Van Gene, V-A-N-G-E-E-N on Twitter also. And look for both these guys stream their races on YouTube. So search for Bradley Philpot. That's probably the better one where you will learn the most things. But if you want, a, if you want a, an everyman experience and occasionally watch some gaming VR stuff as well, go and follow Alex Van Gene. So search for Alex Van Gene, V-A-N-G-E-E-N as well. Uh, that's about it. Good. We've gone a bit long, but I've enjoyed it. I've loved it. The time has flown by as we talk about our favourite hobby. I hope you'll join us next week. There's a video version of this, by the way, if you want to see what we all look like. Go to the Mist Apex Motorsport channel that I told you about before. Not only will you get to see our racing, but you'll also see this poorly put together video as well and see who's the handsomest. Spoiler, it's me. Until next time, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Mist Apex iRacing Podcast. Van Jean, I've noticed you've gone clean baby shaven. I've had a designer trim, and it still looks terrible. I literally shaved before the show. For the video. After the kids went to bed, my face has been itching like crazy all day. And then I was giving my little girl a cuddle before, and she ran her hand on my face like, get off! It's like horrible. Um, I I, I let it go about three days too long. I I laid down on a pillow, and I had like, I was like, I can't (laughs) lay down on the pillow because there's some hair between me and the pillow. This is terrible. Why would anyone do this? So I gave myself a number two all over. And number one for my tash. And I'll see if it grows back okay. But apart from that, I'm done. I'm back to being a babyface assassin. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.